When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. What's up? Just kidding. Uh, hey, man. <laughs> Hiya. How are you doing? Yeah, all right, actually. Okay. I had quite a relaxed, well, actually, no. I was going to say I had a relaxing weekend, but my Sunday's been like a like a proper Sunday where I've done the bare minimum um, and it's been nice. But yesterday um, was a bit manic. I'm tired. I'm really sorry if people can hear it in my voice. I sent a voice note to my friend the other day and I was tired and she was like, are you okay? You sound a little down. And I was like, I know I do. I actually listened to it back because I realised I was going to sound like really dreary, but I'm just tired. So don't mind me, guys. I am okay. I just am a little delirious. Yeah. You know when nice. you like just pop out to town or whatever and you manage to like miss the rain? Like it just... It was I'm- grotesque. That reminds really me actually... Windy. We have some flooding happening in our flat. Well, not flooding. What's it called? Leaks. I've got a skylight in my room and I'm sure it's not sealed like perfectly. You've got the leak in your room? So I got a leak in my room. And when I say it's like, it was maybe like 10 drips. And like, it was a real storm that we had here. So like 10 drips in like the space of like two or three hours isn't terrible. Mm -hmm. The kitchen... There's a real leak <laughs> oh. uh, right oh. above the boiler. So that's great. Um, can't be safe. But yeah, that's just reminding me I have to tell my flatmate and I have to tell my landlord. So, <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> but yeah, I love that when like you miss the rain and it just feels like fortune is mm. on your side. I love yeah. that. I mean, mm. something weird did happen to me though. I was walking into town and, um, there was this woman walking towards me and she had her phone out as if, as people do, like they're doing things mm. on their phone. But then I kind of got the idea that she was like recording me mm. and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating this. So was she not I, recording herself? Maybe like, no. So she was approaching me and she had her phone out and you know, when someone walks past you, she had her phone like kind of <sighs> tilted towards me and I turned back, no word of a lie. And she was like this. She like. Were you wearing turned... a good outfit? Well, she thought so. I was wearing <laughs> my hat, so maybe she was like. Maybe, yeah. I was. I should have. I was so close to being like, "Oi, you delete whatever you've like taken," but I didn't in the end. And then as I was walking, around, I was like, "Fuck, I should have." Like, who does? That? You know what? I don't take videos, but if someone's wearing something nice, I might take a picture of it like on the sly um and like to remember it I understand that crossed my mind but I still thought it was dodgy probably like not the right thing to do but you should just stop people and be like oh my god I love your blah blah where'd you get it from yeah yeah Um, other than that it wasn't a good out it was just like I was wearing my trackies and like a turtleneck jumper and my hat she she just might have thought that you look chic Creepy, or maybe you're about to become a viral TikTok. (laughs) I love TikTok, but I really don't want to go viral on TikTok. No, no, no. 
No. And it doesn't last long. Like, there's something new always coming on TikTok. Yeah. What is your fashion story this week, Mimula? Well, um, I don't know if I should start with the one that I was going to start with because I feel like you've started it. We'll just start with it regardless and you can chime in. if. if oh, she's stealing my fashion story that I stole from her. <laughs> yeah. So my fashion story is that Netta Porte has announced mm. that they have started a consignment service. So it's to help people who have luxury goods that they want to sell on. It's to assist them in putting it on the pre-love market, selling it for cash. And so they've partnered up with a company called Reflaunt. Nearly forgot what that was. It's a company called Reflaunt. And essentially, Netaporte or Reflaunt, I'm not quite sure, but they will come and collect the item from you, from your house. Mm. Um, which is really helpful and they will like value the item put it online for you take the pictures add the details and everything so that you don't have to do it yourself um you get paid once the item is sold obviously reflaunt and etaporte i'm just guessing but i'm pretty sure they take quite a big cut in terms of commission they're doing a lot of the work they'll take a percentage I imagine yeah exactly they're doing a lot of the work so it's really for those who want the convenience Mm. and probably will never get around to listing and selling their own items if they had to do everything themselves but um and also I think in if you're listing an expensive item it needs like you're not just doing that on depop or like ebay necessarily these days like yeah, if I was selling a Chanel handbag, I would want to do it on a reputable site. I think that I think that you need that right. And Netta Porto is recognizing that Vesta Collective has like the majority of that going for it. Mm-hmm. I know Farfetch sell pre-loved items, but I don't know in what capacity they get those items, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, and I'm assuming that there's probably like smaller companies and boutiques that are that's yeah their own pre-loved items on. That's what I think it is, yeah. I mean, and also like, let's remember on a different scale, ASOS have their like own version of Marketplace as well. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, like, we're slowly but surely becoming like the Chinese cert like services. And what I mean by that is like you go on a website and it does like essentially everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like in China, I can't think what the app's called. It's like WeChat or whatever. WeChat. Yeah, it's WeChat. And like not only is it like your WhatsApp, it's also like your Instagram feed. It has like you can shop on it like it almost like it like yeah you could pay like your bills it's like a finance thing but it also almost like it like stereotypes you or it reads you and then it will like suggest things for you like it's all in one place it's kind of bonkers but like they just live on WeChat and like I just feel like all these platforms are becoming more they're expanding yeah they want to take more of the more facets of like the yeah. industry, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And I they think- do a great service anyway. Like you can get such great service with Netta Porte. Like I'm sure if you're like, I don't know if there's a membership or like all that sort of a thing, if you pay for like free shipping, but the Netta Porte version, I'm sure that's like a guy turning up at your house with your oh, so thing how- looking oh. smart. If you live in like one of the big cities like London yeah. or within a certain postcode mm-hmm. or like New York or I don't know if they do it in LA, but there are certain, I think it's just New York. Mm. And you order something, you can get it same day and it will come in those little vans and they'll personally like yeah. buy in a suit comes and brings it to you. So, yeah. And then also things like if you're like a um, an EIP, which is their like mm. EIP people. Um, So you spent a lot of money with them and they'll give you that extra service Mm. and they'll invite you to events that they have and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, they are really 
well-trusted and I would trust something that I bought from that. I would. I will say that I've sold designer stuff on eBay, on Vestia, and I've tried to sell stuff on Depop. I haven't been so successful on Depop, I have to admit. It's a, it's a little bit too much of a popularity contest for me. Mm. It, it's, it's, you know, like, it's for the cool kids, isn't it? Um, so I haven't been that successful on Depop. But as much criticism as eBay gets, because there are people who sell fakes on there or replicas. Yeah. Or and That's the only negative to eBay that, is yeah, you can those chances. You can sell your stuff on eBay so much quicker. Like I've sold a lot of stuff on eBay and it gets your stuff sold. And so many mm. people have eyes on eBay that it's a bit easier and the commission is cheaper as well. I mean, if you were to buy something on eBay, you can always just pay through PayPal and then get your money back if it's not legit. So there's always that kind of safety net. Mm. But with Vestiaire, in my experience, things don't sell as quickly. And the commission's quite high. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's, but the net-a-porter thing will be for like, I'm guessing almost existing customers of net where like they probably don't need that extra 25 quid or whatever, like it ends up. You say that, but there's lots of people who shop in net sales. They're not necessarily. No, no, I know, but I the person I'm typing, like typecasting is someone who doesn't just shop for sales who is like a frequent like either on payday they're browsing the website or like each season they buy a few things mm-hmm. from there is sort of what I'm assuming it will be um I think that's a good point I think they are probably targeting those who have so much money they have so more much elite stuff, yeah they will probably never be bothered to get round to the idea of selling stuff on that they no longer yeah use. it's just sitting in their wardrobe and they have so much money sitting in their wardrobe essentially that they'll just be like yeah I want to sell it but oh it's too much hassle I think yeah definitely like net will definitely appeal to them and you don't even have to post your stuff you, they pick it up for you whereas Vestia the idea of the pictures Mm. I know it sounds really silly, but like more as a customer of a secondhand bag, I would be grateful for professional photography. Yeah. Mm. Than like someone's like did like however well lit my flat might be, it's not a photography studio. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No. Watch this space. I wonder when, I wonder like what sort of the mass reaction will be i think i'm hoping that you could probably go on this reflaunt site netaport reflaunt whatever and see some really interesting pieces mm-hmm. in some pretty good condition because as you said it's people who's just worn stuff once or twice they don't need to yeah i'm hoping it's a different caliber but then with that comes higher price tags as well sometimes you just want to bargain so it'd be interesting. And yeah, as you said, you're right. It does signal the fact that more and much more of the industry are willing. They don't want to miss out on this resale pre-love market. There's way too much money to be made in it. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's also like them recognizing and obviously they they don't sell Chanel on Nessa Porter. So I also wonder if it will only be brands that they sell or all of that kind of a thing. Mm. But luxury goods are just getting more and more expensive. And maybe it's them recognizing that a lot of people are turning to pre-loved. Like I would say a second hand bag, which was how it would have been described maybe when we were younger, would have been a bit like because you couldn't afford full price. Mm-hmm. Whereas now people get pre-loved and we call it pre-loved, which is now a way nicer term. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you might do that because you liked a bag from two seasons ago mm-hmm. and you prefer that over this season. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not even a snobbery thing now, but also it might be something then that like 
you want multiple bags in your collection and that's the way you can do it or yeah yeah I think- definitely I think like I was watching something earlier and I really agree that you know like Chanel bags the seasonal ones are the more interesting ones they were like the interesting designs the cute colors sure prints, I feel like that's what I would buy and yeah. then hopefully not regret. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the sort of stuff that they don't make a lot of, or it's just around for a few months and mm. you can't get your hands on it in store. You can't get them new anymore. Um, and you, like the secondhand market, pre-loved, whatever, is where you go to find those older gems and mm. have a collection that is far more unique. Um, and yeah, and so, and some people just like, brands that I don't know like they prefer old Celine let's say and they can't get that anymore or like the the quality of certain brands were better some years back and so yeah now there's a whole host of reasons that that sort of thing's good but Net-A-Porter also have the outnet yeah that's like discount like they're really going after like those who can afford everything and anything those who want a bit of a discount like an elevated tk Maxx, and then those who are just out here like perusing the chancing the the bargain (laughs) bucket yeah (laughs) i love it and what's your second fashion story so mine is it's kind of a Love Island related one. I know, guys, you're sick of Love Island, but just bear with me. So do you remember Brett who came in to Love Island? Oh, Brett. He's a twin. Yeah. So, I, okay. I just came across his Instagram today. First off, about the twin thing, him and his brother are identical like spitting image they are the most I think they play on that though like I think they really amp that up for sure but some identical twins don't look as identical as them I was taken aback but like at at what point are you still getting the same haircut you know and like all of that stuff like grooming yourself the exact same way as your identical twin like it should not be into your late 20s Really, is there a problem with it, though? just think it's a bit bizarre. Like, I know it's their thing and it's their niche and that's why they have, like, probably Instagram followers. But I don't know. It feels feels a little bit bizarre. I follow an account called The Triplets and they are three women. They are triplets. They're identical. And they wear, like, the same thing in slight variations. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it is a gimmick. That's their thing. It's kind of cool though. And but do they have the exact same haircut? Yeah, they have the same haircut, but they might style it slightly different. Oh my god! In each that's picture. Stressful. Um. Anyway, that's not even my fashion story. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brett, Love Island. Brett. Um, I didn't realize that he's really into conscious fashion, and mm. when he went into the into the villa. He made, is that why he wore those godforsaken sandals? Probably, yeah. <laughs> Were they like Birkenstocks or something? I can't. No, remember. they looked like gladiator sandals, but like not in like the fashion way, as in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he probably did get stick from a lot of people who weren't into his um, more like fashion guy style yeah yeah yeah, a lot of people who watch love island are used to a boot he wasn't wearing white skinny jeans yeah and a loud shirt so he's into conscious fashion yeah he's really into conscious fashion and he is like he writes about it kind of does interviews about and i was first off i was shocked and then he said that he picked like when i was reading the brands that he was bringing into the villa i was like oh i I think he's got a bit of money. He was wearing swimwear by Olibar Brown, which mm-hmm. is a men's swimwear company that's like owned by Chanel. They're kind of expensive, not Chanel expensive, but you know, premium. Um, and yeah, all these other brands. And he said that everything he wore in the villa was stuff that he had bought, that he owned, and he wore the entire time he was there even though he was offered so much fast fashion while he was Mm. there and you can wear whatever 
they provide for you he didn't the whole time and so he literally I mean he was only in two days long (laughs) that is true but he packed for like the four weeks yeah essentially Um, and while he was there he was saying that he spoke to the other islanders and some of them just were a bit clueless Mm. in the whole fast fashion thing for sure and I know it sounds ignorant of me but I would have thought people in their in their 20s nowadays would at least be conscious of what fast fashion is yeah I think it's an ignorance though like a well like they welcome that ignorance um but also some people just don't don't think about oh gosh if this only costs eight pounds, how, how can that be? Mm-hmm. You know, because I th- I guess some people just want either lots of things or because they don't have money to spend more than eight pounds, they're just glad that there's something available for eight pounds. I don't know. Uh, but I think it's probably more the first one of like, it's a gluttonous thing that we're now in that... Mm-hmm. Like I'm imagining the girls' suitcases were filled with like 40 dresses from insert fast fashion website name and like the all their bikinis, like not one of them would last like more than a summer, probably that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And like they probably don't think twice about it because they just care about looking good. And I don't mean that as an as a as um a put down. I just think that they don't think further than mm-hmm. I like it or I, I look nice in that. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a high expectation to look glamorous and different every day when you're yeah. in. And there's an expectation to look a certain way, to be styled in yeah. a certain way. And if you branch out of that even slightly, then you're deemed as like, what are those? You know, like on your yeah. Feet. Look at those sandals sort of thing. And I but think- also it's beneficial, right, to wear the clothes that are being offered to you because those are the brand deals mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. might get on the outside. Like, not to bring up Miss Molly May, um, but, like, the reality is, I know we, like, put down the pretty little thing thing, but, like, she's not going to have one, like, a, a brand deal with, like, and other stories, is she? Mm-hmm. Like it is going to be something that's kind of like in the vein of Love Island as much as she tries to negate it or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be in that realm. Yeah, you're right. In in him denying the clothes that are being offered to mm-hmm. him, he is denying brand sponsorship. He's saying that I don't align myself with you guys. Yeah. I don't represent your brand. And, Which is and so on the sofa. really interesting and such great integrity and I kind of, my hope is that more people are like that on Love Island. But then I think the difference is, I think that girl who was gorgeous at the start, who left on like the first day was probably like, not like that, but she was a bit different. She wasn't just like, hey, I like to snug boys for fun, like as her bio. And then like the nurse girl uh, towards the end that was with Brett, like I think if you have people who are slightly different, it takes a very special person to still like stay in the game because I think the game is designed for a particular type of person. Yeah. But I like that. I dig that. Go for Brett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm. um, just perusing his Instagram, I was impressed by the styling. Impeccable. I have to admit, great dressing guy. Um, so yeah, that's Brett Stanniland. I think that's how you say his surname. So go and check him out. But yeah, in, an interesting mm. um, opinion on like TV's biggest show. Yeah. And yeah. So that's all from me. I like it. We interrupt this broadcast to remind you follow us on instagram starloversubstancepod shoot us an email starloversubstancepeak at gmail.com find us on youtube find us on twitter we've got all the links on our instagram you know what to do
Cool. Well, this week we are discussing, we thought we'd follow on from an interesting thing from our episode with Cyrus, where he discussed one of the main things he's seeing now is people asking him to do like genderless fashion Mm -hmm. um, collections and more androgynous, like suitable for men, female, other, however you identify collections. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought we thought it'd be interesting to talk about sort of genderless androgynous fashion whether that works in a world because as cyrus pointed out the biggest problem with that is sizing Mm -hmm. men's and women's sizing don't align um like a women's small is a men's xx like s or even smaller maybe um and so yeah there maybe has to be a whole new genderless sizing chart yeah so it's kind of interesting the idea of like androgynous fashion because like throughout the years what is deemed as gender specific clothing is constantly changing like if you take like the late 1800s um you could say that women were largely not allowed to wear trousers it was very like it just wasn't ladylike or something a woman would do to wear trousers. And today, women, in, I'm talking about in the West, you don't think twice as a woman mm. on trousers. Equally, back in those days, colours weren't gender specific like mm. they are today, you know? You know, they used to be opposite or something like that. Like it was pink for boy. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, like it, it, we've warped it now as society yeah and so these things are always changing and it's also interesting maybe this is a larger discussion but if um if you think that you're a woman and you want to dress more masculine then equally that that styling is not masculine then it's just yeah thing you want it to be isn't it because um because if you boil it down like you just said so if the typical male outfit is jeans and t-shirt well 80% of my teenage early 20 years that's where I wore Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a baggy t-shirt and some skinny jeans and then that's no different from what a guy could have been wearing and and yeah I think it's it's an interesting one of like I guess how far you push it right but then also there are guys who want to wear skirts Mm -hmm. and or like tunics like think of like a Yoji Yamamoto like a Comme de Garçon kind of thing that is way more sort of a cultural um like reference Mm -hmm. in parts of the world like Japan like men might wear longer tops that look like tunics or dresses yeah um and that kind of a thing and in Scotland men wear kilts yeah and so if you think about like that sort of a thing it's like we complicated it probably a little too much at times yeah I think and I think it's the historic right of like a woman in a corseted dress and a man in like a three-piece suit but we've blurred those lines now Mm -hmm. and actually I remember I think it was Selfridges a few years ago, and I'm saying maybe like at least five years ago, made like their flaws not men of not male or female fashion, mm-hmm. but they just made it fashion. Yeah, so like brands, so like in the brands, it was so worth. it was just brands, so that like it wasn't to sort of make a guy who wanted to buy a dress feel uncomfortable or a woman in a men's section feel uncomfortable but as someone who also used to shop quite a lot in like top man for my baggy Mm t-shirts I didn't feel uncomfortable doing that but I also think there is more of a societal acceptance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to me buying a guy's top than there is for a guy 
to buy a girl's top. I think all this begs the question, is the term androgynous and genderless fashion even needed? Mm. I mean, when we take the idea of fashion is always changing and what we consider to be of a specific gender is constantly changing. And then you you put into the mix the idea of sizing. Just I mm. might want to dress more masculine, but I'm a five foot two woman. I yeah. ha- I would have to buy within the women's department to get mm-hmm. the leg length and the proportions right in my clothing. I can still style it masculine in a way, but I'm still f- restricted to some extent within my gendered c- clothing choices. Do you know what I mean? And then we factor in like, we buy more and more of our stuff online. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we have the pleasure of like picking and choosing from anywhere, whether it's the gendered sites or mm. gendered brands or whatever. Do we need the labels of it's an androgynous collection? It's a genderless collection when in society now it's more acceptable if you want to wear the woman's shirt, you could just yeah. buy it because the person at the counter doesn't even know if it's for you or someone else. There's there's less of that like glare at the till. Like, mm. um, oh, exactly. You could be buying something for your boyfriend for all they know. Like, yeah, if I go into a kid's shop, no one's going, what, she wants to play with a Lego. Like, <laughs> you don't know why someone's buying something. Yeah. So yeah. Much more like societal, I think it's relaxed a bit to the point mm. that if you wanted to, you know shop in the women's department you could but at least you would get the sizing you would understand the sizing a bit more and I don't know I don't think the term is particularly helpful is what I'm saying no and actually from practicality standards so in fashion when you scale up mm-hmm. a pattern for uh, for sizing matters so like say you draft a pattern in a size eight you would grade it so then you could scale it down to do a six and a four, but you can grade it up to whatever size, like, and you can go obviously up and up and up. But women's grading and men's grading is different. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm imagining more in men's grading, shoulders would get a lot more attention for grading up. Mm-hmm. Like in women's clothing, it would be probably bust and hip. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of a thing. And I think that doesn't align. Like, and like you said, I want my certain clothes, I want them to fit me nicely. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have to tailor <laughs> my clothing. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to remember, right? Other than the fact that fashion is something that's like a beautiful expression of art, fashion is really like the vessel that we used to express ourselves mm-hmm. and like not to sound devil wears Prada or not, but like we all do it. Mm-hmm. How, like, however you're choosing to dress, you're expressing something mm-hmm. like whether it's that you just want to wear black and like be like non-conformist. No, no, no. Like you're telling us something about yourself mm-hmm. by how you dress. Yeah. And so I think that there doesn't need to be like a problem with whatever it is that then you wear. Mm-hmm. because it's an expression um could we be better at sometimes maybe not like only putting skirts and dresses in a women's section mm-hmm. potentially mm-hmm. but I also think that's there's designers out there that probably provide that yeah and um, maybe it needs to be a bit better on mainstream but then also the issue probably is is that what at least 60% of men don't want to wear dresses. Mm. But I do think we have to like, it's breaking down the man were blue and like the archetypal caveman stuff, but really fashion is for expressing yourself. So if you want to wear whatever you want to wear, it's what makes you feel good, man. Like it's yeah, like you do you. Yeah, and it do, it do, it doesn't need to have genderless or androgynous on the label for you to be able to do that. It's how I feel, but I'm also not maybe someone who needs that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I get what you mean. It's probably um, 
difficult to form an opinion of something that maybe doesn't mm-hmm. affect you so closely. So definitely, I can yeah. that. In terms of sizing, when putting an androgynous or genderless collection together, what are the pers- the possible workarounds and things that you would have to consider if you were to make something flattering? Now, flattering is an open term because what's flattering mm. to you might not be flattering to someone else, but how can you kind of create a collection that covers all bases, whether it's heights, builds, um, figures, um, and yeah, like. Yeah, it's a difficult one. And actually, the only thing that I feel like really seems to sort of survive the, um, like, genderless thing is maybe like a sweatshirt or an oversized t-shirt like I'm thinking you know like if you went on Etsy right now and you wanted to get a graphic sweatshirt or t-shirt it's often just like unisex sizing right Mm -hmm. and I think the only way that works is because it's loose it's not meant to be fitted Mm um and that for a woman if you want it fitted oh man but you like you scale down mm-hmm. and like vice versa I don't really know for joggers how that works but ASOS have that collusion line yeah actually. but I think how they do that is they do it with women's sizing and with men's sizing but I might be wrong I have a collusion set and it's a pleated skirt and matching shirt and I can't remember if I saw the models, if a woman was just wearing it. Now, this was a couple of years ago when I bought it. A lot of the collusion stuff, they have a man and a woman modelling the same garments, isn't it? Mm. And as you touched on, a lot of this is possible because our fashion has become so much more casual. You know, there's not really any brand that I've come across personally that is making a three-piece suit, the same model or the same um, range, let's say, can, that can be directly worn for a woman or for a man without alterations. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Now, I know there's women's, um, a suiting company for women specifically mind who might like more tailoring, but then that's tailored to a specific person. Um, yeah. I don't think it's as possible when when we start getting into formal wear that tends to be more fitted and more personal to your body. It's possible now, this whole androgynous thing, I think, because we do shop casual. So trackies, mm. like if the crotch is a bit baggy on a woman, it's, it's not that noticeable. Yeah, but if also if it came up, and it was like that, you could just start like, send off for the next size down or yeah yeah well the the waist up or the the leg up or something you can kind of style it out as well if the the shoulder seam hangs low on a woman because her shoulders aren't as broad it's part of the style the Mm. oversized men's blazer vibe that can be pulled off by women can be pulled off my men because again it's just so casual i don't think this would have been possible you know in the 1950s it would have it just wouldn't have the trend or the the ability to create androgynous collections it would have been far trickier yeah within the confines of what society was wearing it's so true and like I think we have to remember so like the difference in height between you me and our friend Izzy is significant like between the three of us I don't think she's gonna like that okay she's like <laughs> she's five foot guys uh she might claim like five foot one but she's five foot. <laughs> I'm five foot seven that is seven inches of like clothing so if a store doesn't have a petite section mm-hmm. or a tall section mm-hmm. we would be wearing the same clothes so that's got to fit the length of my body, the length of my legs, but also can't be like extraordinarily long mm. that it doesn't fit her. Mm. And I'm not the tallest person in the world. There are taller people than me. And so like that's hard enough in just women's clothing. 
then to add the fact that like, yeah, okay, there are some short dudes out there, but there are also some significantly taller guys. They are like, their proportions are naturally different. Mm-hmm. It makes it really hard if it's clothing without any elastane, like you're sort of saying. It makes tailored stuff so much harder. First of all, men's trousers and buttons do up differently on the other side than women's do. And the labels are put on the other side as well. Yeah. So, like, even just that, which side do we get? I mean, I won't know how to put on a pair of trousers if the buttons are going to do up the wrong side. It will confuse the fuck out. You know, like, we're used (laughs) to a certain way. Um, Yeah, it's really difficult. Um, And I I can't see how it would work with more fitted, tailored stuff. I think you can obviously always do, like, Anything that can be oversized, like a blazer Mm. or anything, probably top half, like shirts, all of that stuff could be jumpers, that Mm -mm. anything on the bottom half that needs to fit around a waist, hips, like that's men's waist sizes are so different from women's waist sizes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like you either have to make all of those sizes, but that's. Mm-hmm. not helpful yeah I think from my uh perspective is that androgynous fashion is so much more than just the clothing itself yeah I think that y- now for example we have a lot of women with shaved heads just as much as I don't want to say just as much but now it's far more common to see more women with shaved heads which automatically gives more of an androgynous look um tattoos as well are worn by just as many men as there are women and jewelry um prints patterns colors I think those lines are so blurred that you can still wear something that is gender specific and like style it in a way that is far more androgynous and less gender conforming than ever before and I think that's like an easy way to get around it when when brands aren't able to provide an androgynous collection I think there's loads of ways to style it out which is like really cool yeah definitely and like I think like you said like there are women with shaved heads there are guys with long hair there's men who wear nail varnish there are men who don't like there are women who do, there are women who don't. There's women who wear makeup, there's women who don't. There's men who wear makeup, like mm. men who don't. And I just think it's about finding the way that works for you. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and like the amount of things that I see and at the moment, like uh, there's a lot of suits like on Zara where it's really like, I think they even call them like masculine <laughs> trousers. <laughs> pretty sure they do like masculine fit trousers where like it's more like it's just a really wide leg like boy fit no I swear I swear I've seen the word masculine but maybe I'm just making <laughs> that might be a Spanish translation that's what it sounds um, like <laughs> but like I'm more mean like it's a, a loose suit that essentially could be like I think it's styled or like a man's suit and it's like if if that's like a that's androgynous fashion essentially right that is zara channeling a man's suit into their collection and how the fit would be on a woman so i just think i think there's just got to be like i guess that side of things it's a really difficult terminology because i guess what it sounds like it wants to achieve is just one collection for for everyone mm-hmm that can't necessarily happen for like the sizing but also like there's loads of different collections out there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know yeah I think there's so many fashion shows that I don't relate to whatsoever and I just think that you've got to find the thing that does relate to you yeah yeah for sure I was thinking um about like in the 2000s kind of like mm. brainstorming today's topic and <laughs> really young people won't remember this but the term metrosexual was a big term and that was like referring to a guy who was like really well groomed mm-hmm. like more groomed David Beckham which guy David Beckham was 
the forefront of the the definition of yeah metro (laughs) it was a guy who like groomed his nails just groomed himself Mm. um looked after himself make yeah it was make sure that they were well moisturized groomed highlights haircut um like Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen now that is a throwback he was like for a while he was like like back in the early um early 2000s he was deemed as metrosexual but like camp as well yeah well he did wear a lot of floral floral shirts yeah but then flared trousers that's the thing like in the space of less than 20 years let's say 10 years let's say the terms that we use what we consider to be metrosexual or Mm. gender specific or whatever changes and that is continue that's going to continue to change so I think the idea of what is androgynous is a loose term in itself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's it is it's a really interesting one, but a complex. Yeah, one. that's so true. Because like, well, like the there was like nineties androgyny that would be like supermodels with maybe like short haircuts, like not much makeup on, and they would just wear like really loose fitted suit like I'm thinking like a black suit and a white shirt type like or white t-shirt and like they would just sort of walk around they'd be super slim but like that doesn't have to be androgynous like that's also just kind of fashion yeah yeah and if you slightly change the fit of how that is is it still androgynous because it's not then oversized if you make that a fitted white t-shirt and a fitted blazer and a fitted mm-hmm. like trouser then it's not androgynous at all so I think it's almost like it's our perception of, of how like it's worn mm-hmm. or something like that um mm-hmm. like for women it's almost androgyny is like hiding the body yeah yeah like hiding your femininity or like the things that would show that you're a woman but I don't yeah for a man it would be highlighting the body maybe tighter clothing yeah which shows off all of your shape in Mm. that sense um but I think the idea of like non-gender specific clothing when I think of it sometimes it's so tied to the idea of like futurism Mm. a lot of the programs and films and stories that are told and they're set in the future and it's like it's almost like in the future we'll all wear a uniform that is Mm -hmm. simple that can be worn by men and women and that's kind of one aspect of androgyny that I think of like when you've if you've seen Black Mirror Mm -hmm. then those are some of the imagery that we use to signal the future it's yeah yeah definitely um, and like there's definitely room for improvement and there's definitely I think in the future there'll be way more way more middle ground you know like maybe there does need to be more of a middle ground um, and especially because like we said I'm really aware that this isn't something I feel necessarily the need for but yeah. I understand there's a real space where there's probably is a real need for it yeah. so I think there could there needs to be like a middle ground right um, especially with how like more aware we are of how people identify themselves I think that we're probably going to have to be increasingly aware that we can't have a men's and women's fashion week only mm-hmm. you know like I just think that we the only way you can make a people feel included or seen by the way they identify is to not just have have the like now on a form right there will never just be the option of male or female mm-hmm. there will always be other like I prefer not to say Otherwise. I identify as like mm-hmm. there's there's more options and I think that 
as time goes on, I I wonder if there will become like an androgynous or like a, a genderless unisex, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be a, a better terminology by then. Mm-hmm. Um, fashion week or just fashion week. Just fashion week. Um, and I do think you have to identify certain things. Like I'm telling you right now, I do not want ASOS to remove men, men and women from the top and me not be able to like search. Yeah. Like just like, as much stuff, essentially. Yeah. yeah. It's already got a lot on that website. I it do not need to be filtering through more stuff on that website. Um, but yeah, I think maybe there just needs to be a space and there's a responsibility to make sure that there's that going on. I think it I think could be a really interesting thing. And it sounds like a lot of younger designers want to do that. Mm-hmm. And maybe they recognize that. Um, I think a lot of it is styling for me. I think that yeah, you have a collection and say these pieces are in women's sizing, mm. and women's graded sizing. Yeah, but this is how it looks on a man. This is how it drops on a man. This is the yeah. look that it comes to. And if you if you're after that look, then get this women's size. Blah blah. Yeah, it's all in the styling yeah. and presenting presenting your pieces in a way that will capture the attention of those who want to dress differently or outside of a of a norm potentially and then it works on the other way like this is um these are men's shorts in a double xs but this is how it's going to look if you're an Mm. average sized woman it's going to look more like culottes, let's say. The waist is going to drop lower. Mm-hmm. And if that's the style that you're after, because that's perfectly fine, get a men's size, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that is a far more accurate way mm-hmm. to shop it, is at least presenting the stuff in a multitude of different options for your customer then to go, you know what? I would have never picked up that woman's yeah. house, but it will look great on me as a man. Yeah, definitely. And actually, I think the great thing that the ASOS collusion line has done is that is that, like you said, it advertises it. I'm pretty sure every like image of something collusion tends to have, or if you click on it, you see it on a male model and a female model. Mm-hmm. Um but in no way would I ever go, I can't buy that because a yeah. man might also like, that's not a problem. And so like, I think that collusion collection arrived without any furore. And it was just kind of like, yeah, this makes sense. Or why hasn't this happened sooner? Yeah. I think and it I think- at a time that people wanted to, people were already dressing like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's so right. Like, I mean, look, Harry Styles, I'm sure half of his clothing it's like a, a Gucci women's collection. Oh, <laughs> like his blouses and stuff like that. So, like, I don't know. I think it's it's way more fashionable anyway. But I think, like you said, it becomes way more relatable when you can see see like mm-hmm. how to style it either way. Yeah, and I actually think that's um, yeah, maybe it'll be like that that there'll be certain pieces um, and collections that can be um, that way adapted. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. I wonder if like the Lux fashion community are like thinking of that, if then it's there yet. In my like opinion, I don't think that's on their radar yet. Mm -hmm. But I wonder... I think that maybe that well, there definitely are brands that are um kind of like pushing the boundaries of um gender. For mm-hmm. example, um Telfar. I know mm-hmm. that when he designed uh Liberia's and we were talking about a few weeks ago, their Olympic uniform mm. you actually look at what he designed for it it was very like I don't want to say it was genderless but it was giving silhouettes to male athletes that were not often done or seen at all 
at Olympic Games as part mm. of official uniforms. It was different, you know? And so I definitely think that there are brands out there that are conscious about doing these more genderless collections. Um, I think for most brands, most really successful luxury brands, they probably don't feel the need to. I think that they have such a like cult following that if a guy wanted to buy a lady's handbag, it doesn't matter if it's in the male section or not, because these items are so plastered over social media and media at large that you're going to see it. And if you like it, you buy it. And I don't know. It really depends on if they feel like there's money to be made by doing anything different. Yeah. And actually, when you said that, I'm thinking of sort of like a department store like Selfridges, Harvey Nicks, the accessories section of Selfridges, there's no there's no need for that to feel like it's a feminine place. Like that's totally um, genderless. And I think the fact that now like they I think they still have it that like it's split by designers and it's like basically A to like divided by the alphabet. So I'm sure it's like certain letters on this floor and then like certain letters on the next floor mm-hmm. rather than it being men and women. And I think that's kind of the right way to go about it. Like you said, like if you want to buy something, you're going to buy it. Um, and we should make it like the shopping experience as enjoyable for people as possible. Like in that situation, I think that works really nicely. Um, but yeah, I also just think that there will also be people who, who maybe will design what they want to see. And I think that'll be a really interesting thing to see. Mm-hmm. Like designers sort of recognizing a space for themselves or for people they know and designing kind of what we can't think of yet yeah (laughs) sure I mean for me personally and this you know just because of who I am and how I dress and I've said because of my height primarily (laughs) and my build I um it, it makes my life simpler if I'm shopping in the women's section. Mm. But I also want to know what's going on in the men's section. Yeah. yeah. It, it just culturally, it's um, if we're looking for things that are different, that's new, that's fresh, the first thing that we can do is check out what the other gendered section yeah. is doing and what is there. You know, there's no reason why you can't buy from, from the other side. But yeah, just as like a, a reference, as we said, when it comes down to size, I can understand women's fitting more yeah Um, that is why you know it's especially in an online world you know it's different if you're in a shop and you can try on a few sizes in an online world like let me tell you now I haven't been inside a physical clothes shop for a long time and long may it stay that way I do not find like I am not someone who finds joy from clothes shopping do I like buying clothes sure I do do I like shopping for them no I hate like, the changing rooms that's the worst the changing thing. rooms aren't flattering it is stressful it's often hot getting clothes on and off constantly mm-hmm. like if I buy I'm just going to use ASOS as an example if I buy an ASOS like shopping thing with like more than one thing I don't necessarily try them all on in one go mm-hmm. you know like I don't stand there and go right next one next one next one I'll try on stuff like as I feel like it's appropriate, like, oh, that like I'm wearing jeans. I'll try that jumper on because it would look nice with these jeans or like I don't I don't consciously just suddenly do myself a giant fashion show. But also like, yeah, I don't know. I don't do it like that. Um, so why why do I want to do that in a shop? Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, you're right. You, you've put the nail on the head I think that having some sort of structure is helpful to a lot of people who do online shopping because then yeah. you kind of know what to expect um, or just you know what a size conversion chart right mm-hmm. so like women all know I mean it's all it's never easy to know what a small medium large is at certain no, places no, no. that reminds me of Uniqlo they're like that yeah. they feel like double xs to like triple xl and you're like well this is a lot 
Yeah. And so like, that's not always the most helpful guide granted, but we all know like roughly what our clothes size is. It might differ in certain establishments, but like we understand what the numerical system is. So I think there just almost needs to be like a size converter Mm. of like, but this would mean maybe everyone regulating their sizes. But then I guess not necessarily if every brand did their own size converter or whatever mm-hmm. but that yeah in reese if you like a men's size m is like a women's 14 or whatever it might be mm. and just yeah like then you know and like they're just next to each other like and then you know well, yeah you know when you can filter by size yeah then it will do the conversion for you you're like okay, I think I think we've, I think we've cracked it. We have. We you heard it here oh. first. Trademark. We trademark. <laughs> and then it just, I actually would. I would love to see this. You know, because like you said, actually, if I was looking for a really nice jumper, and I couldn't find it in the women's section, I for sure would check like the men's section. You know, like when you know exactly what you're after. Like even if it's just like a really nice black jumper. <laughs> And that's just because I, I'm too programmed, you know. I'm too, I'm stuck yeah. in matrix that I um <laughs> that I just stick to the women's section. But yeah, you're right. If if you could just filter on your size, and it would just bring up mm-hmm. everything across the site, convert the site the size for you, mm-hmm. and give you a fuller offering. Yeah, that's it. But then that does require us to recognise gendered sizing. I think that's the thing. I think you can't help that, right? We can't help that the frame is different. Like, it's it's a thing of science. It's a thing of biology. This is the way that we, that we are programmed, mm-hmm. is that we can't help that there is a distinct difference in frame sometimes. Sometimes not. Yeah. But there is often a distinct difference in frame, like you said. You're a, you're a petite lady. Like my brother is six foot four. Like there is no way no. you guys can have no. the I'm, same sizing like scale. The height of your brother's legs or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny actually. I've just been sent a picture of um him around his wife's family, and they're all about like. I think the tallest one's probably like five foot two. And so then he's just <laughs> always in the background. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's like, there's unfortunately sort of science gets in the way of that. I don't know if that's science. Well, I guess it's biology, isn't it? Um, there is, there's, um, there's a firm reason it unfortunately can't happen. Um, and also if then you want to change... I mean, men's sizing have numbers. If you want to make it small, medium, large, it's it's a harder, it's a harder realm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's a interesting, yet complex, and such a personal decision in how you want things to fit and how you want to style them and how they make you feel. And there's no, there's no right and there's no wrong. Do you know what I mean? No, um, there's definitely not. And actually, um. You just got to feel nice on what you're wearing, right? Exactly. So what's our poll for this week? Um, what is our poll? Oh, there's so many questions there could be. Um, How much of your wardrobe is bought from your gender's area? Yeah. So like we could say like 50-50, 80 20 or just like 100 percent yeah and see like if our listeners actually you know do dabble in both both mm. sides of the shop both sides of the website both sides of the shop. Yeah, um <laughs> what's your percentage i think mine's oh. pretty much 100 <laughs> it wouldn't have been when i was younger i it would have been maybe like a 80 20 Mm. but when like I don't dress particularly feminine all the time but I can do that and still shop in the women's because of how trends are evolving and yeah so 
Yeah, I haven't like if I want something to be baggier than it's intended to be, I just get a larger size. A larger size. Yeah. 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 We're just making revelations. Yeah. Left, right, and center. That'll be our part. Just to gauge where you lot are all buying your stuff from. Um, anything else you want to add, though? No, I think I think I'm I think I've cracked it. So I'm I'm ready for my Nobel Priest Prize. <laughs> um, well, thanks for listening, guys. It's been Style Over Substance. My name's Mim, and I'm Scarlett. We'll see you next week, guys. Ciao, Bellas. Bye bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.